Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we wanna say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Craig S., Paul M., Edward S. and Mike P. On the program today is a new guest. Mr. Michael Navis is with us. Michael is partner at Bolton Boyer Lawyers, a Central and South America-based legal boutique that specializes in many types of services, including business transactions, international setup, immigration, real estate, and other services. Bolton Boyer has a number of offices in the region, with Michael's office being in Managua, Nicaragua. You can learn more via their website, boltonboyer.com. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Michael, it's a pleasure. Good to have you on the program. Uh, of course, we've known each other for, oh, what, 10 years now. So good to have you on here finally and good to chat and talk about some of your uh, experience and background. Uh, why don't we start off here just with uh, you telling the audience a little bit about your background and experience. Thank you again for the opportunity to participate in your podcast. Uh, as you know, I'm a lawyer. I have a degree in law with studies in both Honduras and Nicaragua here in Central America. Uh, I also had the opportunity to take an intensive development program with a focus on business administration at Mendoza College of Business at Nordin in the U.S. And uh, well, very early in my career, freshly out of law school, I worked for the Nicaragua Institute of Tourism was my, I guess, the the most important, I mean, my first job experience was the most important where, where I got to uh, work on the legal side of the tourism industry, participating in the creation of several bills for helping uh, to the development of tourism investment projects and also coordinating the lobbying efforts of, for the approval of those bills at the Nicaraguan Congress. About eight years later, the opportunity presented itself to work with the investment promotion agency of the country called Pro Nicaragua. I think that's that's about the time that we met you and I. Uh, and as you might remember, Pro Nicaragua was the government official investment promotion agency. So there was a lot of uh, support provided to to companies looking at and exploring Nicaragua for investment purposes. And not to make this too long just trying to highlight my background. You know, after all the experience of working with, with uh, these institutions of the government, my, my background experience from a legal perspective is very closely tied to foreign direct investment, attraction, business development, country assessments, and startup legal services and offshoring, so yeah. Michael, that's excellent, appreciate that. I think that was about the time when we did meet. It was probably back around uh, the 2013 timeframe. Yes. Talk uh, just a little bit about Bolton Boyer here as well. Talk about what the umbrella does, if you will, and then, you know, include there with, you know, what services you provide and really it's in part geared towards international clients and what those clients are usually asking from you as far as services go. Well, Bolton Boyer is an international legal alliance of uh, law firms from Latin America. Our law firm here in Managua, in Nicaragua, before we got uh, involved with Bolton Boyer, well, it was basically a family-owned law firm. I grew up in a family of lawyers. You know, my dad, uncles, all my brothers, 
even my kid's sister is a lawyer. So um, after I finished my participation at Pro Nicaragua after nine years, in back in 2014, we decided with my brothers to join the efforts and well, I became part of the family law firm. And you know, things grew up uh, pretty quickly in terms of uh, foreign clients from there. Our boutique law firm was very focused on in differentiating ourselves from the biggest from the big law firms and provided a more hands-on approach as opposed to the very you know to the cold and and sometimes very money-driven approach provided by the big law firms so we tried always to have a more personal hands-on interaction with the clients making ourselves available not only to the ceo of the companies but also to the to the whole staff of the company early in 2020 getting into bolton boyer during the COVID pandemic i was contacted by the founders of bolton boyer legal alliance and after several meetings and, and discussions with my brothers with them we agreed to join the efforts and become part of, of the alliance with it and we are and uh, is, is actually going very strong uh, right now the Alliance have uh, offices in Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, Bolivia, Paraguay, Colombia, Uruguay, and Spain. The headquarter offices are located in the States in Florida. From now, from uh, currently, uh, the legal practice, uh, the, 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 the main focus of the office is to provide corporate legal services in the, in, that is to say, uh, helping with company setup, um, corporate governance management. You know, helping the companies to to uh, we we take care of of um, overlooking compliance with management of the uh, government structure of the companies. Uh, taxes, of course, which is um, uh, a biggie. <laughs> Contracts labor law, uh, tax incentives, and real estates. Particularly, I like working with startups, you know, helping new business ventures from the very, from the get-go, from the start. I, I really get a lot of um, pleasure working with companies and having the opportunity to see them grow from, from the very beginning and have the opportunity to grow with them. And then, you know, it's, it's a very peculiar, good feeling to see them thrive. And so, and among the most sought of after services demanded by our clients, you know, we have uh, obviously company corporations, uh, assistance, the assistance with corporate governance affairs, and all matters related with human resource management, taxes, and tax incentives, which is a, a big thing that I'm going to talk to you about later on in our conversation. Of course, we'll come in and talk more about Nicaragua specifically in a moment, but why don't you just talk a little bit more about why international business and what are driven clients to come and look at international business? And then also some clients consider relocation or relocating their business or maybe themselves physically. You know, why can that make sense? I can tell you from the perspective of Central America, right? Because it's my, my turf where I have uh, most of my knowledge. You know, Central America is very close to the United States. We, we basically are in the backyard. Uh, this is a major thing, not only for American citizens going abroad, uh, but also for people and companies from other parts of the world, such as Europe and Asia, who want to have a very solid 
solid access to the U.S. market. So from that perspective, basically all the countries in Central America offer a very attractive and competitive platform, mainly in the sense, in, in, in the form of tax incentives. So I guess this is a, a very compelling reason for companies to, to consider uh, going abroad and uh, relocate, you know? Let's discuss uh, a little bit more here on Nicaragua specifically, because this is uh, an area that we want to highlight and, and also discuss and, you know, give people a real labor for what Nicaragua is and some of the challenges and some of the good things about Nicaragua. But why don't we just kick that off, Michael, with uh, you talking about Nicaragua generally just as a country, as a business jurisdiction, and then also, you know, how the economy is there. Yeah, Nicaragua, uh, you know, well, I have to say, okay, here's a little um, heads up for you. Obviously, I, I live here. I'm Nicaraguan, so I'm a little biased, <laughs> but I'll do my best, as you know me well, to be very upfront and, and blunt about telling you the situation from our country. You know, there, there are obviously many advantages in, in, in hand, that go hand in hand with cons or disadvantages uh, when it comes to considering Nicaragua as uh, your next investment location or platform. Among Central America, Nicaragua offers the most uh, attractive or advantageous tax incentives for investment in many sectors like tourism, sustainable energy generation, agriculture, light manufacturing, business, and knowledge process outsourcing, among others. We also offer the most competitive salaries in the region, which is, you know, it's a good thing always to have. We have a very um, young human uh, uh, resource pool. And, you know, after about 20 years since Nicaragua started investing uh, efforts and in, in, in time in attracting foreign direct investment, uh, we have a very talented pool of Nicaraguans, young Nicaraguans. I think it's also fair to mention here that personal security and security, generally speaking, the, the levels are the highest, you know, when it comes to personal safety uh, among Central America. Even though we have such a bad uh, press, such bad PR, which is, I guess, important to mention that is not without certain justification. But most of the issues that we have in Nicaragua are politically uh, uh, related. We, we don't have any problems re regarding uh, organized crime. We don't have any uh, major issues regarding homicides and, 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 or drug trafficking, you know, or any of the other things that you see in, in other places of the world where people tend to be very nervous about traveling to. I think it's also very important to mention here that uh, the access to convenient services, you know, uh, if you go abroad, Andrew, whenever a company is, is trying to convince you to leave your home and, and, and move yourself and your family to another country uh, to act as, you know, the CEO or the um, chief operation officer, I mean, you're going to think about how are you going to do and how is your family going to do from the perspective of access to healthcare services, education, recreational services. And so Nicaragua has uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff in, in, in these in, in, in this regard. Uh, we have some uh, very good healthcare services here in Managua, in the capital city. Uh, so we have some really good schools, bilingual schools, and even uh, universities. Uh, you 
you know uh, from a personal experience, Andrew, that uh, from a nature perspective, it's a very beautiful country. And, and very close to Managua, you have on a radius of about 60 minutes, you know, you have access to volcanoes, active volcanoes, lakes, lagoons, islands, colonial cities, mountains. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess that is also a very compelling reason when you're considering moving abroad with your family, even if that is for, for a fixed period of time. And not, uh, although it's very funny to mention here that it's very common in Nicaragua that uh, expats who come, uh, who's, who, who are moved into the country by their uh, employers end up uh, setting shop here permanently. <laughs> now, Talking about the cons or disadvantages of the country, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, the political uh, culture in Nicaragua is um, is very tough. Uh, the, the political game that the Nicaraguans play here is very rough, you know, as we say here. Uh, the government, the, the, the current government, the, the current administration doesn't really uh, devote efforts at all in, in trying to have good PR or to have any efforts whatsoever trying to you know provide a proper disclosure of their policies or what they're or, or, or the 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 sense behind the the decisions that they make so that that doesn't help at all you know that doesn't help because it generates a lot of bad press the Sandinista government has a very no nonsense approach when it comes to dealing with dissent. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, you know, if, if you think about where they come from and who who helped them shape them into what they are back in the 80s, you know, they, they still have a very close relation with Cuba, with Russia, you know, all the, the, the countries, the red countries, the cultures that uh, usually don't generate any good press. And so, I guess that would be a good, uh, Andrew, uh, overview of the good things and, and some of the challenges that we have. Yeah, let's dive a little bit more into that as well. And of course, as a side note, Nicaragua for the first time was just crowned Miss Universe there in the country. And Michael, to yeah. our surprise, it was indeed Miss Universe. It was a woman. <laughs> and so that's always good to see. So I, I think a little bit of, you know, national pride is in order there as well. And, you know, the culture, obviously, you touched on just a little bit, Michael, the culture is incredible. The food in the country is incredible. There's lots of things to like about the country. The The tax regime is favorable. And as you said, the government's fixed in its ways. And I think if people can just understand how to navigate that, I don't see it as a, a huge hurdle, but you do have challenges. And I guess with that, why don't we talk a little bit about what you started to cover was, you know, basically U.S. relations with Nicaragua, a bit of a cold reception here over the last, call it uh, really the last five years, maybe six years. It's gotten a little bit colder, Michael. And also with that, let's maybe talk about other relations that Nicaragua has with, as you started to say, the BRICS, for example, and including China. You know, setting up shop or trying to set up a business in Nicaragua can make a lot of good sense because it's very cost effective. As I mentioned before, we have this very strategic uh, closeness to the American market, which is no surprise that uh, the U.S. is also the main market is the main uh, business partner of this country, which is 
kind of funny because, you know, if you read the press, there's always this um, ongoing controversy between the Nicaraguan government and the uh, U.S. government. You know, they play this game where in front of the cameras, they're, they're not, uh, they don't get along. But behind the bushes and behind the cameras, they always have ongoing communication all the time. And so this has helped to, in, in, in practice, this has, has helped the uh, private sector here to be able to do their business, conduct their business, you know, um, take advantage of the CAFTA uh, treaty, uh, get access to the U.S. market without any hiccups. So um, that relation with the U.S., yeah, so is is also has been put through a, a certain amount of strain recently since, uh, you know, in 2018, we had a major outburst here of people uh, dissenting with the government in matters regarding uh, social security. And it got completely out of hand. Uh, the country uh, was locked down by, by protesters. The interchange of goods between countries in the region was basically on completely on hold because Nicaragua connects Nicaragua is at the heart of Central America. So anything coming from Guatemala up the, in the north and going to the south in Panama was basically, it, it basically came to a stop. That had very, very awful, uh, in the end, that had very awful consequences to the economy of this country. Um, and that derived in the government taking very extreme measures to deal with with this dissent and the protesters. Uh, in the end, a lot of people ended up dead, many more in jail. And so, as you can imagine, there was a lot of uproar in the international community signaling the, the way and denouncing the way that the government handled the whole situation. And so the U.S., uh, and by that, back in then, back then it was still under the Trump administration. And as you know, uh, the Trump administration, uh, the, the international policy was uh, very different from previous uh, administrations in the U.S. Uh, in the sense that uh, they tried not to get too much involved in in international affairs. He was more focused on 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 fixing things inside the states, right? So they basically decided to to go down the, 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 the route of, of uh, applying uh, sanctions to individuals in the at the government level instead of you know uh, putting sanctions on a, on a national level which they have uh, seen that it, it just doesn't work in the end uh, things remain the same in those countries you know we have the example of Venezuela and Cuba so um, that was, it was very good for business in the sense that, uh, you know, the restriction and the punishment uh, was for individuals and not for the country. So every, you know, the private sector was uh, able to, to resume their operations and, and, and conduct their business uh, as usual, uh, having access to the U.S. market, having access to the Europe market, and so on. Nowadays, the Biden administration continues to be more focused on applying restrictions for individuals instead of, you know, as I mentioned before, on a national level, which is a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing because in, in a way it has, 
it has uh, it has work. You know, you can see you can see that it has um, it has had some influence on on the way how the government goes about uh, dealing uh, with dissent. Okay, they are by far more careful. They go through well, at least they they try to go through the process of first giving them some sort of a due process. Although it's not always ideal, okay? But, you know, it's there. So g going back to why why would I want to do business in Nicaragua? Why in that country where there's a lot of uh, apparently political controversy? Well, you know, number one, because it's, it's a very cost-effective uh, alternative. It could be very attractive for individuals living overseas, you know, like uh, freelance Argonauts. The process of setting up a company in Nicaragua is very quick and simple. If you're going to be using this company as an international business company, an IBC, uh, you know, you're going to be exempted from payment of local taxes. Uh, there's no paid up capital requirement. There is no minimum requirements on the number of directors or shareholders. We don't have any residency restrictions, so you don't have to be a Nicaraguan resident to be a shareholder to participate in a Nicaraguan company, nor we have any discrimination regarding nationality on the beneficial ownership of the company. Shareholder meetings or board meetings, they, they, don't, you know, they don't have to be held locally here in the country. Uh, you, can, uh, you can hold these meetings over the phone or by any other electronic means. And Nicaragua, as an emerging business jurisdiction, we don't have any legacy issues as other popular business jurisdictions. You know, like the things that we've seen uh, over the past years in, in the controversy with Panama, for example, or other uh, places in Europe, tax havens in Europe. So Nicaragua, basically, simply put, you know, is not blacklisted anywhere. We have uh, a very good global market access. We have uh, trade agreements with the United States, Mexico, Europe. And, you know, getting into the China question that you mentioned, uh, we, well, Nicaragua recently approved back in November a new trade agreement with China. This is something that I wanted to, to talk to you about because it's very, I, I believe it's very important for people abroad and, and, or, or considering doing business in Central America or in Nicaragua in, in particular. China is you know, is is a very interesting, is having a very interesting effect in the region, in the Central American region uh, right now. Uh, they are in the process of setting a very strong presence in Central America. They have currently diplomatic relations with Panama, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua, uh, which is kind of funny because, um, you know, not too long ago, not even 10 years ago, all of these countries we had uh, diplomatic relations with Taiwan and not with China. And so even though the, this, the fact that China is putting s so much of a big effort in, in having a strong presence in Central America might create certain fear uh, to certain people, companies. The fact of the matter is that it's mostly related to the ongoing conflict that exists between China and Taiwan. You know, Costa Rica was the first of the countries in the region to break the ties with Taiwan and replace it with China back in 2007. And I guess that, you know, at, at the end uh, is also no surprise because I, I, I believe that all of these Central American countries, what they are, uh, what they seek 
or the goal that they they're trying to reach is to have a bigger uh, access uh, to trade, you know, access to a huge market, uh, have new sources of foreign direct investment, financial means for the development of major infrastructure projects. I can tell you about the, the recent experience of Nicaragua, Nicaragua's dealings with China. Um, so aside from the recent trade agreement that I mentioned that was approved in, in November this year by Congress, China and Nicaragua agree to some to the development of some very big, uh, at least big for the for the um, you know for the size of our country, uh, infrastructure projects. Among uh, these, we have a coastal highway, uh, the development of a coastal highway, new coastal highway that is going to connect the central and southern Pacific coast of Nicaragua uh, with Costa Rica. The very important thing about this is that, uh, as you know, Andrew because um, this is the region where you used to live here. This is a major beach destination for tourism in Nicaragua and, and, and a tourism hub. And to have a highway that would connect all the Pacific coast from the, from the center of the country all the way to Costa Rica is gonna open up a big market for the tourism business here. Aside from that, China and Nicaragua have agreed to build a new and a whole lot bigger international airport here in Managua uh, with capacity for transatlantic connections. Finally, we're gonna be able to have uh, direct flights with, with Europe, oh, at least to have the infrastructure that is gonna allow for those connections to, to, to be put in place. And also to work as a major logistics hub for uh, you know, commerce and uh, the transportation of, of goods. China also has agreed to build uh, a new telecom network, 5G telecom network. Uh, they have also agreed to the reconstruction. And I say reconstruction because it, it, this is something that used to, used to exist in Nicaragua, although it was abandoned a long time ago. So they're going to rebuild the old railroad infrastructure to connect uh, major destinations in the Pacific coast, uh, mainly Managua, uh, the Masaya and Granada region. As you know, Granada is a colonial town that is very important because it is by far the most important tourism destination in the country. Interesting thing about this uh, railroad uh, project is that the way that they're going to do it is that they're going to also provide a connection to, the, to what has been a historically forgotten region in the country, which is the Atlantic coast. The Atlantic coast uh, side, the Atlantic side of Nicaragua is is uh, is very big, and uh, the population is very low. They represent half of the country, and uh, even though they they represent uh, from a geographically point half of the country, uh, the the population over there is about three hundred seventy five thousand people, you know, in, which is very small when you compare it to about four point five million that that live here in. The Pacific side. So I guess that the the important thing here is that this uh, railroad is going to connect uh, not only the Pacific but the Pacific and the Atlantic, which is a, a very important thing from a historic uh, perspective. And also, yeah. last but certainly not least, China and Nicaragua have agreed to build several uh, energy generation projects, uh, hydroelectric, which represent uh, about 370 megawatts and thermal, 
that represents about 150 megawatts. So as you can see, is we're talking about a lot of um, a lot of activity that is going to be taking place uh, over the next years here in Nicaragua. So there you have it, Michael. I appreciate that. There's lots of stuff there to talk about. You know, of course, you and I living in Central America, South America, no stranger to protests. You know, obviously they have different scales of severity, as you and I both know, but definitely nobody's exempt from those things happening in their own country at this point. You mentioned the sanctions that the U.S. has levied on Nicaragua, specifically towards the the upper end government officials, if you will. Uh, you and I both know typically that sanctions don't tend to work that well, for the most part, because often <laughs> they can be countered or bypassed, or in some cases sure. have unintended consequences, which we've also seen that. We've seen unintended consequences with respect to the other way around. Nicaragua is not exactly with an empty toolkit, if you will, uh, with respect back to the U.S., which is uh, interesting. And of course, we've seen some activities on that front. And then you guys have, you know, mining in the country as well. You know, Costa Rica generally is not a mining country, but Nicaragua is. We've obviously seen debate in Panama about mining as well and what mining can do for economic wealth of a country as well as raising people out of poverty or providing opportunity for people in the country. Your comments on the IBC, I do think we need to chat just briefly a little bit more about that, Michael, but I think one of the overlooked areas for people is Nicaragua as a place to organize a company and to have an international business. Again, uh, if you have one that's just operating in other countries besides Nicaragua, it can be very beneficial. You know, another thing, Michael, this came up as well as you were talking that they've uh, spurred my attention here is, you know, with the relationships, both with the West and also with, you know, the BRIC nations, as you will, as they're starting to formalize the BRIC, you know, group, you mentioned the Chinese investment, and hopefully a lot of that starts to happen for Nicaragua. And I think it will in due course. One of the things is, is, is it has to do with influence too, in relationships, as, as you know, you know, we've seen uh, countries that, uh, have strong relationships can tend to influence the the direction of those countries. And also we've seen a lot of other countries succumb to taking aid from outside nations and organizations, you know, multi-government organizations, you know, as you know, there's, there's a number of organizations out there that are uh, countries are members of like the World Bank, uh, WEF, for example, OECD, UN, these various groups. Any comments just broadly on those groups and how they tend to leverage their policies and agendas on sovereign nations and basically, you know, along the lines of sovereignty. Um, I think there's a strong sense of sovereignty and national pride, if you will, in Nicaragua. And obviously that can be eroded with these outside organizations that try to press their influence. Any comments on that thinking? Um, You know, I believe that all these efforts by the nations that you mentioned organizing themselves uh, behind different organizations and trying to influence uh, smaller nations like you know the countries in central america i guess it's just part of the you know forever ongoing political game that has plagued the history of humanity from from the very beginning you know since uh, we managed to organize ourselves in, in in tribes and later on in uh, cities and then in nations and, and empires and, and so I guess it's just part of the same game in the sense that the perception of having strength in numbers because of the amount of members that I have 
But let me tell you, from the perspective of this region, Central America, listen, China is very far away, Andrew. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you uh, from a very pragmatic uh, perspective. China is very far away from this region. The United States is not. The U.S. market is right there for us. And everyone, at some point, they need to have access to that market. I know it. You know it. Our government, this government knows it. And so I can understand and I can respect the decision from uh, by the governments of, of the countries in Central America to, you know, play along uh, with China because, you know, China is a huge market. So we can, you know, export what we produce over there. In the case of Nicaragua, we're going to be exporting a lot of rum and a lot of uh, cattle and meat, which is uh, something, you know, and also, of course, fish and, and agriculture products. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that it doesn't matter how small the world nowadays is because of globalization. The distance still matter. And I guess that what you're seeing right now is that there's a sort of a shift in the balance of power in the world. I guess what Central America is doing is just, you know, trying to play along in, in, in trying to see how we manage to get the best we can so that we can become more of an attractive and, and economical, uh, more of an attractive destination for, you know, uh, for the development of business, but also to become, uh, to improve the, the quality of life for, for all the individuals that, we live, that live here. But at the end of the day, we know, these governments know that we have to learn to play also along with, you know, with the, the countries that are our most important commercial partners, such as North America. So those are my two cents for you in, in, in that regard. There's a lot of different things at play here. I mean, you, you also mentioned earlier this national discrimination, nationality discrimination, which is sad. It really is silly, but obviously people are playing along with this as the world essentially bifurcates between the West and essentially the BRICS, as you've seen. Although I would say certainly the BRICS have the momentum in terms of the, the membership and who's aligning with the BRICS versus the good old original West, if you will. You know, we've seen discrimination against Russian citizens, which is odd. Given the circumstances, it, it certainly is odd, but we've seen that discrimination stretch all the way down to Central and South America. If you're a Russian citizen, just try and maybe relocate, for example, have no ties to the government and just wanting to live your life like anybody else should have the right to as well, whether it's setting up a business or trying to apply for residency or citizenship. They can certainly come here. Nicaragua has very open arms for them, of course. You know, Nicaragua has always have open arms for anyone, even traditional nationals from countries that have been at odds with the government in turn. Okay. <laughs> what I mean by this is that back in the eighties, when Nicaragua was a communist country and basically closed down to the rest of the world, uh, you know, the, the number one, the public enemy number one around here was the U.S. There's a very funny uh, cover in Times Magazine where the cover is completely red. <laughs> and the headline is Daniel Ortega, the man who makes Regan see red. <laughs> it's, it's a very funny cover. But anyhow, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that 
even though there was a lot of tension uh, and confrontation between the, the U.S. government and Nicaragua, there was a lot of gringos moving around Nicaragua back then. So, and they, they were always very welcome, as they con currently still are. You know, so we, we have never, uh, as you said, we don't have any restrictions, nor we discriminate anyone around here. We're friends of the world. Good to point out because it's definitely not that open and free in some nations, and there's certainly discrimination taking place in nationality and other things that are much more sillier than that, Michael, but we'll leave that for another conversation. Let's come back to the business setup because I think that's kind of the one of the main highlights, aside from some of the other things you do. I mean, you, you obviously provide some other services as to guidance on notarization, verification, authentication services, and that as well, but among all the other stuff, real estate transactions and the other items that we mentioned just briefly, but talk specifically yes. about the international business set up there in terms of the exact process. Obviously, the benefits sure. are, you know, if you're not operating in Nicaragua, for example, you're not going to have a tax implication in Nicaragua, but just talk about briefly the process benefits. And then also, if you can highlight for us uh, what that cost is expected to be to do a setup. Sure. Setting up an IBC in Nicaragua, International Business Corporation, is, can be very advantageous, okay? Let me first tell you about the benefits. You, you have global market access, you know, and IBC allows you to tap into international market access a broader customer base. You can establish a presence in multiple countries using the same, the same corporation, uh, expanding your business, diversify your, your revenue streams. Tax optimization is, a, is also a major advantage. You set up an IBC in Nicaragua, you're not going to be required to, come to file taxes around here because basically you're not doing business in the country. Uh, you can also use that, the IBC uh, to protect your assets, to use it as, as an asset protection tool. You can separate personal and business assets. Basically, by doing this, uh, provide yourself with some peace of mind that you're going to be safeguarding them against potential liabilities, lawsuits, and claims by creditors. Also, confidentiality and privacy is a, is a major thing here in play. You know, this, uh, our jurisdiction, the confidentiality levels here are taken very seriously. So you can keep your business affairs and ownership details very confidential. Even though Nicaragua is compliant with uh, the standard uh, regulation regarding uh, beneficial ownership of the, on the companies. But, you know, this information is only disclosed when uh, requested by uh, the proper, through the proper judicial channels. Also, another uh, advantage of setting up an IBC here is the flexibility and ease of operations. IBCs uh, benefit from flexible reg regulations, streamlined administrative procedures. Uh, you don't have to be in Nicaragua to, to manage the IBC. Uh, you don't have to have a, a physical presence in, in here. To keep the, the entity in compliance with, with the legal regulations, also, you don't have to be here. You know, we can take care of that for you. And the cost is, is very, very, very low. Uh, incorporating an IBC in Nicaragua comes around $1,200, okay? That's for the incorporation, everything included here in that number. And the annual maintenance comes around $250 per year, okay? So, and talking about the specific uh, requirements, 
very simple. You know, obviously we we need you to provide us with a name. Although I can, um, I'm always more than glad to help you to, in in that regard. The name can be in Spanish or in English. You need to have a minimum of two shareholders. Uh, you need to provide us with the with certain information about those shareholders. You know, we need their full name, uh, domicile address. We need to have a copy of you know the passport contact number. We need to have uh, from you a business description. Okay, so so what this company is going to be performing or doing? It doesn't have to be very specific. You know, it can be kind of broad if you need it to be. If you're going to be using the company for to conduct business in, in more than one sector, uh, shareholders, uh, those shareholders that you're going to have, they must grant a power of representation to our staff so that we can register the corporation on their behalf. This uh, POA. You know, can be apostille on your jurisdiction, or you can grant it through the nearest Nicaraguan consulate if you have one. And if it's done in English, you know, we take care of the translation to Spanish. There are certain additional information we require from whoever wants to set up an IBC related with uh, FATCA and uh, beneficial ownership compliance regulations. But that's about it. You know, that's about it. So, uh, as you can see, it's very, very simple, um, straightforward, and very cost-effective. That gives people a bit of a flavor for the process. Um, fairly easy to get set up, maintain. The costs, I think, to set up and to also maintain annually are probably pretty competitive to other jurisdictions. In some cases, probably less expensive than a lot of the jurisdictions. Um, obviously, Nicaragua is more exotic for people because they probably haven't thought of Nicaragua as a business destination, but now they can. I think we'll stop there, Michael, and I wanted to say really appreciate the time here to give us a flavor for Nicaragua, give us a flavor for the work that you're doing in Central America and how it fits into this world and how it can be advantageous to our members as well and, of course, our audience. If anybody in the audience wants to talk to you, just cover potentially what you can do for them briefly in summary. And if you are offering any short consultations, maybe a, a free 30 minute consultation or, or what have you, that they could potentially take advantage of. Well, thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity to, to be here and talk to you. The best way to reach to me, you know, you can you find me at the, my contact information is at the website, boltonboyer.com, or you can email me directly to mnavas, that is uh, spells M-N-A-V-A-S at boltonboyer.com. I don't usually charge for brief uh, initial consultations. I mean, I, I don't like that, okay? Because I, I believe that, that we first need to settle the fact that if I'm going to be able to help you in, with the uh, goal that you're trying to reach. So once we establish that I'm going to be able to help you, then we, you know, we can discuss uh, legal fees. So uh, you can reach out to me. No, no need to think about uh, any cost in that regard. The services that you can expect from me always are, but you know, I can provide you with a lot of information regarding uh, how to do business in the country, how to do business in, even in Central America, uh, how to set up your company, how to go about, you know, go through the process of becoming a resident in Nicaragua or any of the other countries in Central America. I can, we can certainly help you in that regard as well. And then, you know, afterwards, as I mentioned before, we, if you, if you decide to go ahead and, and, and set up a business in Nicaragua, whether that would be a company that would be operating 
in the Nicaraguan market. You can retain our services and we'll be more than glad to help you along the process of getting all your staff acquainted with the regulation regarding the tax, taxation, uh, labor affairs, contracts, etc. Or if you, you know, you're looking at or, or considering the possibility of setting up an IBC because you're doing business uh, elsewhere, uh, I'll be more than glad to provide you with the, uh, the specific requirements and, and help you in the process of setting up one in Nicaragua. And I'm pretty sure that uh, you're going to see that it's a good and solid alternative. So thank you again, Andrew. It's been a pleasure to be talking with you here on your podcast. Good to chat and cover these things off and appreciate you giving the contact information out there and hopefully the audience will uh, will take advantage of potentially talking to you if they're in a situation where they're looking at internationalization, uh, setting up a company maybe away from their home jurisdiction and also looking to start up a business and venture out beyond their home country, which I think is uh, pretty smart these days to look at. So, Michael, great to have you come on and talk to our audience. Thank you again and we'll be back in touch. Thank you, Andrew.